0: This is episode number 270, Do You Believe Your Story Can Change the World? With Casey Berman, Scott Mason, Lashelle Atkins, and Elizabeth Kristoff. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Outs podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming conversation, which takes place every single Friday at 1045 a.m. Central Time hosted through LinkedIn Live or Facebook Live, where we explore the connection between one's personal narrative and the topics of appreciation, grief, resilience, gratitude, and many others. If this is of interest to you, please join us through either of the platforms, LinkedIn Live or Facebook Live, share your insights, and ask whatever questions you have in regard to each and every single one of the topics that we choose to discuss. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show. And that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now,
1: let's get back to the show. I'm glad that we're able to connect on here and have this conversation. This is a topic that I've been... (laughs) wanting to explore for a little while now so i'm gonna just uh to start off i'm gonna just make some assumptions off the bat <laughs> and and project them onto you i'm gonna assume that everyone that's at least part of this conversation believe that their story can change the world whether it's the world, elder world whichever way you want to do that And the the way that I'll frame this conversation is, I'll tell or I'll share a story with all of you, as well as Jessica, who joined us here through the comments. And that is, some of you may know, I am nine days, ten days away from uh, leaving Austin, and I'm going to be going back to Michigan to spend some time with my family for about a month, and then I'm going to be off um, speaking around the world in different countries and places like that. And it's been a really interesting experience for me to kind of reflect upon the five years that I've spent here. So five years ago in 2016, I came to Austin, I didn't really know myself, I didn't really know my purpose, I didn't really know what I was,
0: quote unquote, meant to do. Five years later, as I reflect back upon the whole journey, I feel like I have found myself, I have found my purpose, found some meaning in life. And it's been fascinating to observe that because i think it directly relates to this question of do you believe your story can change the world five years ago i think i had some hints towards that question i believed elements of it could change the world now i wholeheartedly believe it can change the world and i think partially because i've been able to experience it myself through the inner change that it has changed within me so to speak and the impact it has has had on other people So in thinking about your own journeys and your own experiences, maybe a question within the question of do you believe your story can change the world, what makes you believe that? How do you understand that belief? Once again, easy question to start off with.
1: (laughs) I.
2: yeah, I'll start. I think it really is about how I reflect on other people's stories and how they inspire me. So, you know, even like family stories, you know, about uh different family members that lived before you were born. You know, that is uh really impactful for, you know, as you go through certain um what do I want to say? Like, uh, just times in your development, you know, from being a teenager, first time driving, and, you know, going on a date and prom and things like that, you know, uh, those experiences now, as my children uh, go through and have them, they don't have like their grandparents, you know, and even just the visual between their older siblings. Some of them lived and saw their grandparents interacting with them to come to their graduations, to, uh, you know, being a part of certain holidays. And then my younger children, you know, some of those relatives are deceased. So just that dynamic within one household definitely uh, can keep you more conscious of how important it is to have a story because they have those moments of, you know, what was grandpa like, you know, or, um, you know, how how did, what was the holidays like with them? And so, you know, it helps you to recall those memories and uh, think about, you know, what were some of the lessons that you want to make sure are passed on to different generations that were not able to witness creating their own memories and experiences with them? What do you think that, what do you think makes... The voices of those who have passed
0: alive? Is it the decisions that we make along the way to preserve the memories that they and the impact that they have had in their lives? Or is it the
2: life that they've had on this planet, so to speak? Or is it a combination of both? I think it's a combination of both because, you know, there's the thing about society, you know, when it comes to Uh, The nuclear family, what does that look like? And things like that. And then, you know, your extended family. So there is that talk about it, you know, and maybe like family reunions when we are, you know, consciously Mm -hmm. preserving that memory and talking about who that person was. But then it is also the footprint that they left because even though you may hold a particular title, that doesn't mean that you have created a positive impact or left a footprint with your family. You know, it's those things that you can recall that as, you know, certain monumental events take place that the older ones bring up their presence or certain things happen where, you know, it's a conversation around how they did choose to live their life. So I think it's a combination of both, but it doesn't necessarily mean that one individual will have that imprint in both areas. <laughs> it's based on what you choose to be intentional with and how you uh, decide to leave your mark, so to speak.
3: Mm. Mr. Mason. On my podcast this week, I interviewed a guest by the name of Yonison Goldson, who is an ethicist and one of the most powerful things of the many powerful things that he said during this interview was that those who wield power over the past don't just control the narrative that we live in today, but they ultimately hold the keys to the future. And so he framed how we manage the past what we write in the past, and when we choose to erase things from the past as, and as acts of profound ethical responsibility. Why do I say that? Because what he was pointing to was the reality that a story can change the world. However, we need to be mindful of the fact that that story may not change the world in the way that we expect or in the time frame that we expect. Mm-hmm. And the power of a story manifests itself out there just as richly and unexpectedly as the very intricacies of the fabric of this universe. I will use an example. Alex Haley was an author that decided, an African-American author, that in the 70s decided to research his own family history, he was into genealogy, and uncovered the lives of slaves and their stories going back to the time of the original person's, the original ancestor's capture from Western Africa. And that book was an enormous bestseller. And the person who played that original ancestor of his, the original ancestor who was in America, was an actor named LeVar Burton. Roots, that miniseries, which many people have forgotten about, But it is a modern television masterpiece that stands the test of all eras. And not only did it change many people's (laughs) views of themselves, who were the descendants of those slaves here in the United States, and gave them, uh, that pulled back a veil for a mass audience of history and of stories that, as slaves, one would have thought could easily have just been tossed away, but it changed the entire face of race discussion in this country in ways that reverberates today. But I will quickly say that that's only part of the story because LeVar Burton getting hired to do that role, which he killed, was later hired by PBS to do something called Reading Rainbow, which has impacted the learning capabilities of millions of children. But that isn't even deep enough because of the work that he did there He ended up being the headline act at the time it was released, the most famous name on Star Trek, The Next Generation. Now, later that changed, of course. But think about that. That series had him as the headliner. People watched it because they knew who LeVar Burton was. Mm -hmm. And scientists, fiction writers, those who create the future flocked in droves to that TV series and it changes and will be changing the future for generations to come. That's the power of a story that had been forgotten of an anonymous slave who had been captured in Western Africa, Africa and brought here to this country to die and be forgotten. Our stories have infinite power, but sometimes we need to step back and we can't truly understand the scope of it for many, sometimes hundreds of years, but we should never underestimate them. Is it important
0: to you, Scott, or maybe anyone else, to know the impact that your story is having while you are alive on the planet?
3: My ego likes it, but the reality is the universe (laughs) is bigger than me, and the universe doesn't necessarily, at least as I view my own role, I view myself as merely the vessel for whatever thread in that fabric I am chosen to be a part of. And Mm -hmm. so really philosophically, I want to know that hell. Yeah. Tell me all about how awesome the world is because of me, but I don't have that choice Mm. and it may never happen at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: I, I think it's important because it lets you know that, um, you are being heard and it is uh, a confirmation. You know, a lot of times when it comes to sharing your story, certain parts, um, you're being vulnerable. It's an unknown. You know, you are forgetting about things that are comfortable, about things that are easy. Um, You know, you're not sure how it's going to land with people um, because it definitely is stretching you out of your comfort zone. So I think that it's important to uh, get the feedback. However, knowing how to use the feedback is the question. Mm-hmm. So it's not meant for um, being an ego. And I think, you know, if you're conscious about making an impact, it, it's not going to affect you that way because that story or presence or thing that you do, is an evolution, you know, it's it's not like one size fits all. So you may uh, impact a hundred people with a speech, but just because you're going and considering yourself a speaker and going on a different platform with a different audience, you can't use that same speech. Uh, you may have the same message, but if you want to be impactful, it's about stretching and continuing to grow and evolve. So. You're going to constantly be in a place to where it's unknown territory. So Mm -hmm. the more you're able to do that for yourself, the better off it's going to be, I feel, in terms of making an impact. And that feedback is important to make sure that, you know, you are being conscious of accomplishing what it is that you're setting out to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Elizabeth?
4: Yeah, I think I definitely agree with everyone here about how impactful stories are in connecting us to our past and inspiring us to move forward. And then, you know, I always think of things in terms of the body and the nervous system and and trauma resolution and you know, I, I also believe that like, as within, so without, right? So when I change my internal landscape, I am creating a, a different experience of reality, a different world. Mm-hmm. And so as I use story to heal, the thing is, you know, chronic pain and chronic limiting beliefs and a lot of these subconscious narratives that drive our behavior and also our physiological state the way we feel inside of our body whether our heart is racing our palms are sweating our muscles are tight these things live a lot in our limbic system which is our emotional center and you can't logic your way out of those things you need an emotional key to free that and Uh, One of my mentors and colleagues, Melanie Weller, talks a lot about using story to be that emotional key that helps to change the narrative inside of the limbic system and create a new physiological reality inside of your body, a different response. And it's a very safe way that people have used forever to process things and to understand the things that they that are happening in their own life. And then as we heal and as we as we create a new meaning for those experiences, we maybe don't have the same physiological emotional reaction to things. And I, I do deeply believe that I've, I've used story. As well as the emotional memory inside of my body to to heal, and that as we heal ourselves, we also heal the collective and I think there's a big call of the collective right now to to do that healing work so that we can show up differently in the world so that we can stop repeating those patterns um, and I believe story is a huge part of that.
0: Why do you think that change is happening now because I've noticed a similar thing within the past two to three years, maybe maybe even shorter than that. But I've noticed that there are a lot more people. And maybe it's because that's where I'm put, putting my energy and focus onto. So that's that's the individuals I'm constantly attracting into my world. But I have noticed a shift that there's become a lot more of a desire to want to learn certain things about one's personal narrative and to transform whether it's previous trauma or previous circumstances into another way of viewing that.
4: Yeah, it's a great question. And I ask myself that all the time, really. And I think there's a couple different things that are happening. Um, I, you know, also like you, I surround myself in a community of like healers and people who are doing the work, so I can never tell if it's just the people I surround myself with, or if there is a real shift in the collective consciousness. But I also believe that we know a lot more now because of brain scan technology than we ever did before about the nervous system, about trauma, about the way that you know, we have to resolve things not only in our cognitive mind and our prefrontal cortex, but that we have an emotional body. And I feel like we've been very disconnected, like from our our brain to our body, you know, my good friend Eric Godsey calls it like the artist that creates the story, and then the animal, the artist and the animal, the animal being your body, and that those two have to merge for healing. And I think because of science, we, we know more of that now. And so people are having a deeper understanding of the nervous system of trauma and how it replays in your life and of a different way of looking both at mental health and medical health. And I think there's a real shift in that whole paradigm that's occurring now because of, because of the technology that's available to us too.
0: Mm-hmm. Casey.
5: Yeah, great discussion. Great question. You know, it reminds me of there's an old comedian from the 70s and 80s, this wacky guy, Emo Phillips, and he had this line that I used to think the brain was the most wonderful organ in the body until I realized who was telling me that. And (laughs) so there's stories everywhere. And if we if we kind of define and unpack the sentence, you know, believe is acceptance, you trust something is true. You accept something is true. Your story is a recounting of events or actions. Uh, Change is a few different ways we can look at it. It's something different. It's something evolving. It could be, um, an exchange, you know, replacing for something else. Right. And then the world is earth. It's humans. It's civilization. We can, we can define it in a number of, of different ways. And so I, would offer that I I do think stories can change the world. I think that's, that's why they're there. I think stories help you interpret, but really, I think most of all stories help us um, make sense of it. We as humans have a number of stories and there's probably a few of them that are really ingrained in us from, from the beginning when we first you know, the cognitive revolution, agricultural revolution, 20,000, 70,000 years ago, when we, when we first became, you know, homo, homo sapiens and started, our brain started getting bigger and we started listening to it, like Emma Phillips said, but, you know, some of those stories that really perpetuate her, one of them is that we are different and that we're in this body and that I'm different than Scott, I'm different than Elizabeth we're all different and we saw animals and and we have identities and we have names that's pretty scary the world's a scary place and so one of the stories that i think perpetuates to this day that i think led to the you know the the african holocaust that led to this the slavery here in america that led to everything is this idea that we are all alone in these bodies we listen to this brain This brain is very nervous. We're here to survive and everything's a threat. And I get it. We talk about it a lot, but if something, whether it's a saber-tooth tiger in the bushes back in the day or a mean boss nowadays, that could hurt your existence and we're here to survive. But you know who has survived and really is, I think has the greatest population on this earth? Chickens and cows and wheat. I think there are more of those three because of what we've done with agriculture than anything else in the world, besides insects, let's say. Mm
1: -hmm.
5: So chickens have won, but I mean, look at their lives, right? They're horrible, horrible lives because of us, but they've won. I mean, if the end of the day is survive and multiply chickens and cows, wheat, corn, they beat us. They beat everybody. And we're, we're, we're in the running. Who wants to live that life though? But that's the story we've been told. Multiply stars in the sky, uh, you know, grains of sand on the beach. Another story we've been told is that we need to be aggressive with nature. We need to control it. I mean, bulldozers, right? Um, nature's, the, the wilderness. So to answer those are some examples where the stories have not only changed the world, but they've molded the world because we tell these stories via language. Mm -hmm. And while we think language is a great way to do it, it's really inexact. It's rough. I mean, that's why we have a thesaurus. I mean, why do you need synonyms? If something's really exact, just have one word for it. Mm -hmm. But it's not. That's why in and language, Java, Ruby on Rails, developers make software with very specific language. Because if you say, just make the button red... Well, what type of red? How do you want it to red? How do you want to, I mean, you need specific. That's why engineers are in hot demand because they know a language no one else does because you need that language to make a very exact software product. That's it, right? So my point on this is that stories, and I think we've all said, can be extremely dangerous, can be extremely innocuous, or can be extremely helpful. And I do believe they can change the world. I mean, the story was nobody back in the 20s, nobody could run a mile in less than four minutes and then roger bannister did it and i think six or seven people did it within a few months Mm -hmm. the story that roots told us was look how i mean america's not apple pie and that was around this the bicentennial we're selling our 200 years right how great this was and roots came out and said "Mm -mm -mm, we have to face some facts i mean literally america would not have survived without slavery because slavery was free work. If they had to pay people back in 1760, the margin wouldn't have been there. The cotton just, you couldn't get enough cotton, maybe tobacco, but you couldn't get enough cotton. That free labor literally was the venture capital funding, if you will. It, it helped us, helped us, helped the, the country at the time, but that's what, that's what started. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox, but I think, you know, the stories are extremely important, but, but I think for me, almost like the fish in water who says, what's water like we are swimming in stories like that nature is bad, that I, I need to be aggressive that I don't even realize is a story. And for me, I have had challenges recently with like, why do I feel happiness is in moments? Why do I feel I just can't be happy all the time? Well, I think it just hit me this morning on my run. I think like, I don't, I can't be happy all the time because happiness is soft I don't want to be soft, even sensitive San Francisco guy. I don't want to be soft because nature is mean. And if I'm soft, I'm going to die. And that is sort of a puritanical European, you know, conquer the world. And that thing that Darwin and Newton and all of them talked about hundred years ago, literally is hamstringing me to be joyful and blissful in 2021. How crazy is that up mm-hmm. there?
0: Do you remember a time in your life, Casey, maybe not a specific instance, but a series of events that triggered you or helped you understand that your own story, your own life can change the world or
5: can make a difference. Well, it always does. I mean, my house was burglarized when I was eight or nine. And so there's some funny stories about it. All they did was steal my dad's clothes. And we're like, you stole your dad's clothes. But we <laughs> walked in on
0: Nice clothes. Yeah.
5: We, we actually walked in on them. And yeah. I was in the house because they locked the door. And I had to sneak around the backside. And my dad pushed me in the window. And they ran down the stairs. Traumatic story, right? Which I live to this day. Why well, check locks 18 times a day? And I'm always, you know, my wife is like, why do you put the alarm on in the house? You know, like I have a feeling, you know. So I'm changing the world right there because I'm impacting people around me. You know, I'm, I'm I'm paying for a security bill that they otherwise wouldn't have. So I'm definitely changing the world. That story is changing the world in small and, and bigger ways. My kids even say, we're in a safe neighborhood. What are you doing, right? And I'm always like, yeah, but so I'm changing the world that way. I think, and and that's important to know, even the minor things change the world. But in a bigger sense, which I think is what you're getting at, is I help attorneys leave the law and find alternative careers and and I'm definitely in 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 a great way helping them uh change their world which really means to to just see that something's different to see that there's a better way that they can do. So mm-hmm. um my story that I left the law is is inspirational and helpful and I coach them to do it and I think everyone you know Elizabeth with with her work and you know, shell with, with being such a mom and, you know, Scott with all like all the, the podcasts and Oleg with what you create here. I mean, we're all, we're all having impacts. I mean, all of a sudden I'm a co-host on a podcast. Like when did that happen? Well, you know, Oleg, you and Scott gave me that opportunity. Your, your story changed my world. Right. So um, we all do it in those, in those small and big ways. And I think it's very important to look at the small ways mm-hmm. um, that are beneficial and not beneficial. Like my, my home burglarized story that that stuff has to stop. Like mm-hmm. I can I can't double check the car at 11 p.m. and be like is yeah. anything left? Am I leave a backpack in
2: <laughs> visible sight? You know, I just want to bring something back to the conversation about you uh deciding to be happy and seeing happy as moments. Because that is one thing that I have consciously made uh important in my life after my life with depression you know that's just the driving thing I wake up every day and it's like I'm going to be happy today now everything that happens to me is not always happy yesterday you know it was the second day of school for my kids the night before their second day my oldest daughter who had spent the weekend with us got tested and was positive for covid So all of us had to go and get tested. Praise God, it was negative. But the thing is, you can choose to be happy and you can define what that means. You mentioned something like, uh, it's soft. Well, who says it has to be soft,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: right? Who says all these other things have to uh, really be present because that's a story maybe that we have believed in the past that just no longer serves us right so one of the things I consciously work to unlearn is sometimes the stories that I have been fed over years and redefine and create my own version so I just wanted to add that because you know to me happiness I make a point of doing that every day and it's you know like i said not everything that comes my way is um happy but how i approach it my response and how i choose to find the happy in whatever happens has definitely been a game changer for me
1: mhm
0: and i think that goes to kind of the theme of this or these conversations live the story you create i think that it mm-hmm. implies the fact that there's a choice that could be made going back to melody's comment who's been listening in the backgrounds Stories can create inspiration and connection with others. Some are the light to those in the darkness. Mm-hmm. I think the beauty of this space is the fact that we're able to come together and shine a light on the fact that there there is a choice that one can mm-hmm. make. And I mean, the choices are, I think are unlimited, so to speak.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> For me, the big thing was, it became about recognizing that I can choose differently. And the fact that a choice does even exist to begin with. And that's been something that, is interesting that I've had to observe and understand, but ultimately understanding that there's a different choice that I can make in creating that story freed me from whatever narrative that I was believing in for however long. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. I can't be that. What will others think of me? How will my world change once I change my inner world, so to speak? Scott, I, I can see that you're you holding back your
3: thoughts. <laughs> I do think that we want to remember that we have choices over our story. Mm -hmm. I think that one thing, though, that I caution people about putting on themselves is the concept that the story necessarily needs to be changed. I'm not saying anyone here has said that, although that was a little bit embedded. Sometimes your story is just good as it is. Mm -hmm. Also, sometimes... And this is how I choose to approach my own storytelling, <laughs> which is that I love I, don't I love miss. the
2: animation of it that I well, get
3: excited. <laughs> can you imagine how tired my husband gets of seeing that story 24-7? In any event, y'all just have to endure it for a little while. Let's talk about that, by the way, because that goes us to my point, which is that I don't always want the story to change, but sometimes I want an extended 12-inch version of it. Or I want it on colored vinyl, as opposed to just a plain old seven-inch single, if you all know what that is. And I I think you all better. I don't want it just on YouTube. I want it on HQ in Vimeo. And so let's remember that the the, the story changing it doesn't have to occur within a linear process. Hmm. But it can be expanded even within a limited space. And we should never forget that. I could be talking like this, like the little boy that I might have been a long time ago, but I've chosen to expand the story out. <laughs> Elizabeth. I love it.
2: <laughs> That's a great, this is great for a Friday. I'm just saying
1: <laughs> me in the
2: hat and him and his animation. And Casey's it's always the curious one. You know, he brings the deep stuff and it's like, <laughs> You're not even expecting it because he's just like, you know, real calm and cool. But he brings up these big, powerful statements and stuff that really make you think. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Elizabeth, do you remember a time in your life or a series of events that kind of triggered you to make you want to either live the story or change the story um, that you wanted to create?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think I'll kind of echo on what Scott was talking about that sometimes I don't necessarily want to change the story, but I want to, how I, how I interpret the story and what I allow myself to experience of it changes as I grow. Like I, I do really believe that through other people's experience, strength and hope, that was what made it possible for me to have a lot of my own healing. And I believe that the things that I went through can also be used as the same to show people that healing is possible, that transformation is possible. And also, I've found as I continue to explore my my own healing, you know, the story that led me to create this business was, a hard one you know i i lost someone that i loved very deeply and i lost my community and i had a lot of financial stuff that went on with that and um and i i believe that the story serves and and helps other people but i also believe that it's really important for me to also honor like the grief and the loss of it and to be comfortable sitting with those emotions in it. And the more I've been able to create safety in my own body and be present with all of those things. And, and even just recently, like really allowing myself to honor the loss and the grief allowed me to see everything that it's also given me. It's like this deep well of grief that just keeps giving. It just keeps giving and giving and giving and generating into my life and giving to others. And that both of those things can coexist. And that the more I allow myself to feel the full spectrum of, of my emotions with it, the more I do feel that happiness, the more I feel the joy and that it's when I try to block out that part that I become sort of emotionally numb and in a, in a more depressive state. And that as I, as I continue to feel safe and, and honor the spectrum of my story, the, the nuances and the, the different things in it, the more I'm able to also experience like the pleasure and the freedom and the joy of all of it too.
0: How do you know if the story is no longer serving you?
4: Well, I think also like what Casey was talking about, you have to, there's there's sometimes where you have to be really objective and really curious about your own life and your own behavior. And that's difficult sometimes. But I think that the more we can have compassion for ourselves, like starting from that place of compassion and then objectivity and like just looking at what is my behavior? What things in my life are leading me into dysregulation, leading me into pain, leading me into outcomes that I don't want. And can I look at that? Not with a lot of judgment and not with a lot of, um, like need to fix, but just curiosity and Mm -hmm. compassion. And that will lead me to understanding, like, what, what about that is serving me? What's trying to protect me? It it probably always was trying to protect me, but where is it no longer serving me anymore? And maybe it was protecting me for a while, but now it's not now it's harming me. And how can I make those shifts and where do those shift needs to come? And that always comes with curiosity for me.
1: Mm.
3: Scott, Paying attention to the body, as Elizabeth probably would suggest, is the big signal for me. A lot of times it will come through slight headaches, moods too, knowing when I'm being irritated. And if it's irritated in a patterned sort of way, then that's a sign. Another thing too is if for whatever reason I'm finding myself saying something about a possibility Mm -hmm. that closes me off. Oh, I'm not smart enough. Oh, that person is super rich. I can't stand toe to toe with. Them. Oh, that person is famous, so I better go and hide in a corner. Anytime I find myself, and this is something practice and training, and I'm sure the fear of America's super mom coming after me has gotten me whipped <laughs> into shape over the past few years. But anytime I start to see myself as having limited possibilities as i am imagining some sort of roadblock down the highway i've learned to say scott it's time for that storybook to close and be thrown into the trash
1: Mm.
0: i know that we're coming up to the top of the hour and my brain has definitely um gotten bigger or whatever way you want to look at it (laughs) everything that's been shared but I just want to briefly open this up to an opportunity for all of you to connect to those who are listening. And I figure I'll start with show. What are some ways that people can connect with you and where can people find out more
2: about your work and anything that you have going on? Yes, uh, I do have a YouTube channel um, and I'm here on LinkedIn. You know, I have a show that I do uh, Tuesday mornings at 630 a.m. It's called Success Link so they can reach out to me there. Um, I just want to thank you again for the opportunity to be here. I think these conversations are so beneficial because, you know, I was on autopilot for 13 years dealing with my depression and, you know, I didn't take that time to reflect. A simple question can change somebody's total outlook. And, um, you know, when you have to kind of give an account, when somebody asks you something, it makes you think and it really can be life changing. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate these uh, times that we have together and uh, they really help me grow. No,
0: thank and you.
2: plus, thank I you. like watching Scott with his animation.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, thank you. Thank you for being a part of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Scott,
0: because you were past the baton.
3: And I dare not say <laughs> no to America Superman. Don't drop it. Setting the bar <laughs> high. So take a ride with me down Scott Mason's Purpose Highway. It's purposehighway.com. And it is a podcast that explores the impact of the silent revolution, of the changing face of ethics, purpose, and spirituality in a world where the historical institutions that have propped them up are in decline, as well as the silent, secret plague of alienation that's resulted from that. With belief, faith, ethics, spirituality in transition, what do all of those things mean in a changed world? If you ride with me down the purpose highway, you may just get some answers. Mm, I love it, Elizabeth.
4: Um, So yes, thank you again for having me on. I love having these conversations with you guys are so interesting and gets my Friday off to a great start. Um, the best place to reach me is at my website, brainbasedwellness.com, brainbased-wellness.com. And if you're interested in training your nervous system to create safety in your body, feel more resilient, handle more stress, there's a free video series that you can get access to, to just start gradually seeing how that feels in your body and creating a new baseline way of being. And you'll find all that at the website. Mm, Thank you for sharing. Casey.
5: Hi, I help unhappy attorneys to leave the law. So you can find me at leavelawbehind.com. And is that
3: important work or what? <laughs> I can say from personal
5: experience. Yeah, turning, turning unhappy people into contributing members of society, so.
0: No, thank you all for being a part of this and this conversation. As we conclude, I, I kind of want to do something different. Just, well, why not? And that is ask all of you a question that you may or not may not be prepared for. So if you need a couple of minutes to think about it, but who is one person that has been a gift in your life and why? And we'll make sure to repurpose this response and send it to
2: them directly. I'll go first. And I would say Oleg. Okay. And I've talked to him about this before. Uh, he is as old as some of my children and it definitely has been um, a Mm life-changing connection because it continues to help me to stretch out of my comfort zone. And um, I'm able to just look at life through another set of lenses and um, it has definitely improved my relationship with my kids because I'm able to take time to listen. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about listening, but it really helps me practice what I want to live and um, having our conversations. So um, that has definitely been a game changer for me. And I'm going to miss you when you go over the world. And I'm just like, you better find some kind of thing. <laughs> I will. <laughs> okay. So thanks so much, Oleg. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that.
0: And I'll make sure to uh, repackage that and send it to myself. But it's it's something to be said, I think, when, when you and I connected over, I think it's been over a year, maybe going mm-hmm. on into a year and a half. Mm -hmm. and i remember it was the one of the times when we were just starting the saturday conversations which i was just thinking about it the other day we've had 80 consecutive weeks um with people coming to those and that's been like i don't think we we've ever missed a saturday and it's just been fascinating to have people like you that just you show up and you show up who you are most importantly um and it's amazing. I think what I've learned from you is that in those situations where you show up who you are, you also give me the permission to show up as I I am and not have to wear a mask, even in situations where I don't feel comfortable and for X, Y, and Z reasons, like you create that space. So I just want to thank you for that, for being a part of it.
2: Appreciate you.
0: Elizabeth.
4: Um, I will, and there's so many people that have a huge impact on my life, but I will say my healing partner in crime, Jennifer Wallace, who you've had on your podcast before, and we've had so many amazing, um, experiences together and she's just always pushing my growth. And it's also so wonderful to be able to share healing experiences with someone else and to walk the path with someone. And she's also a constant inspiration to me.
3: Mm. Scott. Oleg, you've been one of those life changers. And I want to say a special thanks to Leah Franklin who connected us because she was a life changing connection. But I will devote this principally to the one and only Adrian. She doesn't even need a last name. She's Adrian. She's taught me how to socialize, how to build the connection with others in ways I couldn't have imagined she's taught me the value of authenticity she's been on this show and she's killed it and she's shown love support appreciation and mentorship every step of the way for me as I've been on the entrepreneurial journey Adrian if you see this know how much I love you and if any of you have not connected to Adrian Miller who really is just Adrian mm-hmm. y'all don't know what you're y'all don't know what you're missing you just need to do it okay reach out to her Tell her Scott sent you, Casey. Yeah, Oleg, you're a gift. So
5: uh, Lachelle stole that first, but definitely, I was definitely going there. You and Scott both. Uh, thanks to Sajil who who introduced us. So that was fantastic. I mean, again, like Elizabeth said, I'm 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 just blessed with so many supportive and great people in my life. I think my my business partner at, at Leave Law Behind, Adam Allett, um, who should who who you need to interview uh oleg he is uh he's just opened my eyes when when we first met he found leave law behind and said he kind of called me and was like you don't know who i am easy he was an attorney from florida and moved to north carolina and he said but but we're going to work together, and I remember saying, "Like, who are you?
1: What's going on?" <laughs> and uh,
5: you know, a lot of what Causing we talk about today, and that, yeah. Um, a lot of what we talk about today was is is come from the journey and and the process and all the adventure that that he's really kicked off for me, and he's helped me grow, leave all behind. So, uh, Adam was a great gift. Adam, just I, you know, this he we call each other brother from another mother, but a ton of appreciation and love, and just. Uh, gratitude for for what we've done and and you know all the more that that we have um he's always just right like he's just and it pisses me off, but he's always just like light all the time about things he's he's always like a few steps ahead of me, so anyway Adam, uh big gift and thank you Oh thank you for
0: sharing that now i the reason why I wanted to do it is because just having lived on this planet for however long, I, especially at this time, I'm really trying not to take things for granted. Mm-hmm. because I I just you, I never know when the it's going to be the last moment for anyone that I come across mm-hmm. the path as well as my own. So just taking the time to express it to me, it means a lot. And just want to thank all of you for doing that and being a part of this conversation, because it definitely helped me expand my perspective. And I want to thank everyone else that's been a part of this, Melody, Jessica, and everyone else that's tuning in or going to watch this on replay. Thank you for joining us and sharing parts of who you are and parts of your story. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider supporting our work by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next time.